This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. We are proud to have Mr. Greg Hogan from the Caraba Agency up in New York with us today. He is a good friend of mine and uh, somebody that I definitely respect and trust. And I think you're going to get a lot of good information of, out of what we're talking about. So we're going to dive in. Greg, it's good to have you, man. It's good to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of crazy times. And I know you've been hit with the whole COVID thing way worse than the rest of us, at least in my inner circle. Oh, um, New York has been hit hard. I mean... We, we have customers that have died from it, family members that have caught it, uh, family members that have died from it. And it's just, I know a lot of, part of parts of the country have nothing, but we hit, we're hit pretty hard. Yeah, it's interesting. And obviously, there's a whole lot of political connotations and everything else that can come from it. So I don't want to, to dwell on any of that. But I mean, I, I think... I think that everybody needs to proceed with caution, regardless of what the states are doing to open back up. I don't want people to have a false sense of security over it. And, and, you know, hopefully by the time this thing airs, it'll all be gone, you know, or at least a good bit of it will be. So it's interesting, though. I mean, what have you (laughs) what have you done? What have you done or how easy was it for you to make the transition to working remote? Was it a was it a process for you? Because for us, we basically just flipped a switch and we were already we were there. Same, same. Uh, our database is in the cloud. Our phones are over the internet. Email is through uh, uh, Microsoft 365, whatever the heck it's called. So really all we did was on March 13th, Friday the 13th, we sent everybody home with their computers and um, fired them up over the weekend, got Slack working, and we haven't missed a beat. You know, it's interesting to me, man, because the um... – technology for us appears to work better when we're working remote than when we're in the office. <laughs> I got to tell you, my people love it. Kyle, uh, have, you, have you had any technology issues at all since we've been working remote? No, man. I mean, just the, just the issue with the printer situation, but I don't know that that necessarily has anything to do with me being remote. Um, I think that's more of a, a printer issue, but yeah, I mean, if dude, if I had my, if I had my monitors here, be golden. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I might just start saving on rent again now that we have all our carrier appointments. I'll tell you, it's um, it, looking forward. Uh, it, it, we're looking. 
I, I thought we were going to have to expand space in another year and a half. And um, I don't think so. I think we're just going to keep some people remote or kind of, you know, cycle them through. I have a pretty good relationship with the guy that we have our second office from. The real reason why I opened that up was to have the Google My Business page up there to have some credibility in that part of town because that's where business is going to be going forward. And then also specifically for the personal line stuff when we would decided we were going to launch that. Um, that's where the future growth really could come from, from new construction and all of that. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, right now we're not, I mean, we have, we haven't slowed down a bit, like at all, not even a little bit in terms of new business. And if anything, on the personal line side, we've been way busier because people are at home and have time to look at this stuff. I, I'll tell you what, this is crazy. I don't, you know, I'm not a huge personal lines person. I've actually had a little bit of fun quoting and dealing with this because to me, it's more of a challenge to close that than it is a middle market account because you're dealing with somebody that you have to really persuade. It's not a business conversation. It's a sales conversation at that point. It's right? much it, more. Yeah. Much you more know? sales. And so for me, it's like, wow, okay, I need to figure out how I'm going to sharpen, sharpen this skill set up a little bit because, you know, number one, I'm used to winning and you don't win every time on homeowners. But, it, you know, some of this stuff, I guess, I don't know, man, maybe my perception is just overall ignorant on the whole thing. But to me, it's like, Everybody already has this. Everybody should already have the best deal or the best coverage. What I found is I can't believe how many of these people have ridiculous rates and how many of these people are missing coverage. So I had a guy that I, I just found him this morning. He called me. I don't even know where he found me. He, my, my cell phone just rang one day. And so I don't even, you know, I, 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 okay, yeah, I just admitted I didn't ask somebody how they found me. Um, but anyhow, my cell phone just rings out of the blue one day and he's like, Hey man, how's it going? I want to get a quote on auto. Da, da, da. <laughs> the dude's born in 1936. His <laughs> wife, his wife was born in 1959. I'm like, Oh, you're going after those younger women, aren't you? What's going on, man? She's keeping you going, huh? But I mean, we start going back and forth and he tells me that he's with Hartford. I'm like, Hartford doesn't write personal lines down here. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I've, I've heard of everybody with this AARP program. Yeah, yeah. And everything I hear about it is that it just cleans house. Like it's difficult to compete with or whatever. So I ask him, I'm like, look, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I said, I'm not somebody who really goes in, you know, goes out to the, uh, the marketplace and does a bunch of quoting and things like that just to try and save you 20 or $30. And you know, hopefully you would respect that. I'm going to give you good advice. I'm going to make sure that your coverage and everything is good. But, you know, just so I understand what I'm dealing with, what kind of premium are you paying right now? He said, it's ridiculous. Well, you know what? My mind immediately goes to this guy was born in 1936. His idea of ridiculous and mine is completely different, right? His, his ridiculous could be $10 a year, you know? And so um, we get to talking and he's like, yeah, I'm paying like $7,800 a year. Whoa. And I said, I said, how many vehicles? Jeez. How many vehicles do you have? And he said one. What? And I said what? <laughs> I said you're paying seventy eight hundred dollars a year for one vehicle. I said what kind of limits do you have? And he said one hundred three hundred fifty. I said well your property damage limits are too low. We don't do anything less than one hundred three hundred one hundred. But man, those are that's insane. So I went in this morning and I uh, quoted it in Easy Links and Auto Owners came back for. And by the way. He's married and is, is married now and has a second vehicle that needs to come on. And auto owners was at like 3,600 bucks for both of them for the year. 
And he's like, I can't believe that. And I said, I told you your rates were high, man. So all that to say, I'm learning this as I go. I'm learning that with personal lines, you really have to go into the Raider and see because you never know. Even the ones that are inexpensive, right? I've had some come back that are 700 bucks for like the year. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, guess what? We found one that came back and it was six and a quarter instead of the 750 or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Well, now I, now I have a client. But if I wouldn't have gone through the Raider, and now that I'm now that I'm versed in using Easy Links to do that stuff, it's very very quick. But man, alive! It took me forever to fumble through that thing. The first few times I tried to use it, like this morning, I went in under five minutes. I had four quotes for him. So I actually am having fun doing that. It's something that I need to get. You know, maybe my oldest son could learn how to enter some of that stuff, and he could quote for me in the evenings or something. But it's just more info that you have to enter. I noticed that when I went through, it's very uh, meticulous, and you know, there, there's there's more more info that you've got to enter in there for it to spit out the right numbers to you. Yeah, it does, and I've gotten that dialed in pretty good. What it saves you is having to enter that same info four times. Sure, you totally. do it one time the, and you're done. That's the key. Right. You still have to go out to the company sites to clean it up, to run reports, whatever. We but, were yeah, we were talking about that today about yeah. quote rush, right? We have quote rush for homeowners. And, you know, I'm good with it. I think that the problem is that people go in and they buy these products and they're so they have preconceived notions of what they think it's going to do. They think it's a magic wand that's just going to automatically do everything and you no. don't have to ever do anything. And I, I go into this with this is going to give me a relatively good idea of what it should look like. Now I have to see which one starts out the most competitive and let's work with that one first and see if that's actually the way that it is. In Florida, we have Swift, and Swift hasn't pulled out of here yet, and they like Coastal, and they're relatively competitive. So truthfully, I go in, put the address into Swift, see what their premium comes back as, because that's literally all you do is put the address in. And then I use that as my benchmark when right. I run everything else through QuoteRush. Right. We we use PL Raider, and uh, all of our companies are in there. We normally, if we get a package deal, Home and Auto, we normally start with the auto, because that's normally where there's the most movement. But you still have to go out to the sites. We pick the top two normally and clean them up. Um, but PL Raider, for the auto, you can get the LexisNexis data and pull some of the data right in. And we weren't using that for the longest time. And, and we finally got it working. And my staff was just, why haven't we been using this? And it's just, again, it goes to you have stuff and you just – you don't know all the features and, and, and uses of it, but we use PL Raider all day long. I think everybody gets caught chasing stuff too, right? You know, the, everybody wants the new shiny object. Everybody wants whatever the, the newest buzzword is. And, and they think they have to have all of that stuff. And that ends up in a complete lack of utilization and understanding of any one product because you're so, you're so spread across the mix of everything that, you know, you can't take the time to learn it. So a lot of it is staffs, you know, your staff is, is uh, content with, with the status quo and they talk you into not using something new. I recently heard about an agency, pretty good size agency, a little bit smaller than me though. Um, that didn't do direct build download commission. What? Hmm. Like really? I mean, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of cases um, per month from one carrier. And when confronted why 
why, you know, when, when he told the staff he was going to go to direct bill download commission, the person said, and I quote, well, what am I, what am I going to spend my time doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. I was shocked. And, and, you know, it's interesting, though, agency accounting in and of itself is its own animal. And, you know, I look back to even when I first started to get an accurate producer commission report does take some work. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I used to keep and I encourage everybody on my team to do the same. But I used to keep a separate spreadsheet because we would get every month we would get a book of business report and then we would get the producer commission report and we would get the book of business report for the month to date and the book of business report for the year to date and the same with the producer commission report. And so every time I did it, every time I would write another deal, I would put in what the revenue was that I was expecting based on the book revenue from the book of business report. And then every month that I would get my producer commission report, I would key that into a cell going across and it would take it away from what the booked revenue was. And I would have an idea of how much I still had coming to me because you're crossing years and everything else, your calendar years and then renewal of an account and all of that. And I would look And any time that I went, like if I wrote a, a, an account in September, I didn't expect to see commission in October. I would start looking at it in November. If I got to December and there still wasn't an entry, I know there's a problem. What happened? And there were times we'd find twenty, thirty thousand dollars that had been applied to another producer, mm -hmm. or the carrier had like we found one one time where a whole commission check for the agency was found in somebody's desk. In this, let me put the disclaimer on: this is not Florida Risk Partners. I mean, those checks go in the bank as quick as we get them. But, <laughs> but we found a check that was laying in in somebody's desk, and you know. It, it, it scares me because I don't think that agencies have that end of it on lockdown. And I'm not still, I'm still not a hundred percent comfortable with where we are, but I know that with what we're doing in Hawksoft now and how we're getting that stuff, you know, really I've got two, two people that are basically doing nothing but making sure the data integrity is there because that's what drives everything. We don't really use the agency management system for anything, but, issuing certificates if we need to, and accounting and producer commission statements and renewal reminders and that kind of stuff. Otherwise, we're using HubSpot for all the, us, the rest of the stuff. Right. We, we track our commissions in our database, and in our agency management system, and we have both downloaded commissions and we have entered commissions. Um, but I was doing some uh, reconciliation the other day, and I found about $1,300, $1,400 that had been not paid to me or not credited to me um, or whatever it was, but it was two commission statements and one profit sharing statement. And there were errors, three separate errors. And I, I look at this stuff every month. You have to. And I look at it for my expenses and I look at it for my commissions. You have to pay attention to that stuff. And I think you're right. Agency owners do not. They're just so concerned with what's coming in, but they're not really concerned with, is it all coming in? Mm -hmm. and, and let's face it, for the average person that owns an agency, 1200 bucks isn't enough to get their attention. Yeah. You, you know, 1200 bucks can fly under the radar with no problem at all. Sure. Sure. We, we bleed that all the time. Right. I mean, but it, but it, it jarred me because I asked a question 
about one to one carrier. And the question I asked, they came back and said, well, we paid you this and this and this. Yeah. What are you holding up? Hey, Kyle, I got your. Yo, sorry. I, uh... I want to let, let you know I got your check. You don't need to be breaking any kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. But, but, you know, I just found these errors uh, through regular checking. One of them was just a company was a, was a commission chargeback, but the commission chargeback was totally wrong. And just I think whatever. that what you're gonna I think that what we're gonna see right now is with COVID. Ugh. Can you imagine if you're not paying attention to your agency accounting, what's gonna happen when the chargebacks start hitting? Right. I've already had some. Like, thank God, you know, thank God that the all, all of our bigger stuff is like the, the heaviest piece of it in most cases is the workers' comp and they're on payroll self-reporting. So we're absorbing that in real time, but in addition. I'm also really lucky that the accounts that, you know, have big fleets and GL and everything else, they're already trending at such an increase in business that they're still, they're not completely shut down and they're not doing enough less to where it's going to end up impacting us. What it's going to do is keep their audit from being as bad as what it normally would be. Right. So I've, I've already looked at all of that because what I don't want to have to have happen is somebody come back and say, oh, by the way, you owe us a check for this much money. And that's just not going to fly with me. Yeah. Yeah. No, those, I mean, we've been getting them because on like day three on, uh, of this uh, uh, shutdown, we, are, we went right to one of our restaurants we knew would be a problem. And we immediately lowered their payroll, lowered their liquor sales. We couldn't, you know, the, we couldn't do anything with the GL because it's based on, um, uh, uh, more based on square footage. But, but we took the hit right away, day three, and, and that, and that was early, you know, mid-March, and it showed up on the April statement. So we've mm. already taken taken hits on on some contractors and some other uh, customers that have had to have exposures reduced. What we've not yet taken hit on is personal lines. I don't see it happening. We don't do any substandard business, which I think is where, you know, the area that would uh, be really hit. I mean, we're going to see it going forward for the next year because we do benefits and all those things. But um, not an immediate thing. It's going to be a drawn out six, nine, 12 months. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the personal line side is going to see a lot of shopping too. Um, oh, I, I think, I think everything is right. But I think that the personal lines is where a lot of that volume is going to come from. Um, we're pretty much out in front on all of our commercial business. I'm, I'm relatively comfortable with, with that being, you know, as good as it's going to get based on how we, how we interact with these people. But I do think that the personal line side is going to be interesting. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of digging personal lines at this point, for whatever reason I've come around. I like talk to me next week. I may hate it again, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm hot I, and cold on that. I, for but, you. But, but I'm, I'm sitting at my desk, you know, and, and you write, Fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars worth of premium in personal lines in a in a day or two—that's real money, man. It's, it's real money. <laughs> I mean, when you start looking at it, okay, well, you know, the average personal lines account for us—if you've got two vehicles, an auto, and an umbrella—you're you're at five thousand dollars or more right out of the box. Right. Right. So you're at seven fifty in in revenue for that. I'll take I'll take uh, three thousand bucks over two days. Yeah. What am I doing? Sure. What am I doing the rest of the week? 
It's, you know, for, so for us, personal lines is, is just, and I think many agencies, personal lines is just the driver of the renewal stream of income. I mean, you know, many years ago, I heard someone say, we get paid 24 hours a day. We do all day, every day based on renewals, but you have to have that block of business that's going to drive the renewals. But that's what personal lines is, you know, every month just roll you know, in. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've said this a couple of times too. Personal line, you know, personal lines is helping me get the agency policy count up, right? It's no different than us writing. I, I used the example when we were talking to somebody else about auto owners because auto owners came in and said, "Our real sweet spot, if when we appoint you, is twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars in premium." Well, that's not really where we play, but uh, you know, I wanted that contract, and we committed to produce for them we've written some really sweet business in that 25 to 50,000 that by the time you round out benefits and other things, it hits that revenue threshold that you want it to hit. And it's been profitable, but more importantly, the policy count on, on you know, I'm writing five $5,000 revenue policies for every one $25,000 policy. And now it's not going to hurt as bad if I lose one versus you know, the, mm -hmm. the 25 grand. And so I'm, I, I, it's forcing me to look at the balance of things and with the way that we use technology in the agency, we can do it all day. We can scale down and it's not an issue. So I'm, um, I, I'm really looking at it and, and thinking that I will have a lot less sleepless nights when that policy count gets up, even though the revenue growth spike will not be as impressive. I would be happy to change out the revenue growth spike for the policy count growth spike and let the revenue be lower for the next year or two to even it out. But the revenue growth spike could also be a revenue dive when you lose one of those accounts. Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You lose an account that drives 30, 50,000 of revenue. And, and, and I have, that hurts. Hey, That's we've got really one right. Really. We we've got one right now that owes us over a hundred thousand dollars in revenue, not premium. They owe us a hundred thousand dollars in revenue, and that hurts, man. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> and and I got the letter like last week or two weeks ago, and and I I shot Kyle a text. I said, well, you can lose all hope at this point because I just got the bankruptcy letter in the mail. Yeah, was that you know? thing you said about breaking kneecaps? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was a. I I think you you said that was out of the country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one. Uh, those the parent company for that's based in Bulgaria. So, if you ever see me check in on Facebook in Bulgaria somewhere, <laughs> it's probably not going to go well. Right. Right. Hey, I don't even know why I would ever go to Bulgaria for anything. You wouldn't. No, no one. You know? No one would. No. But no. they don't have pierogies there. I don't think. <laughs> So anyhow, so listen, one of the things that I wanted to talk to Greg about, because I think that a lot of agents can learn something, people, business people in general, um, from Greg is to what it's like when you acquire an agency and what it's like when you acquire a book of business. And I wasn't around for when you acquired the agency, but I watched from the outside and then a little bit of the inside when you most recently acquired this book of business. Why don't you tell them a little bit before we get into that? Tell them a little bit about your agency and how you got to 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 be an agency owner, where you're at, and what that looks like, and then we'll then we'll start talking specifically about some of the acquisition stuff you've done. I'll give you the clean version. How's that? That works. I don't I don't like getting uh, getting sued. 
Um, I've been in the business for 30 years. I, I was first licensed in 1990, and I was a producer uh, initially in the early 90s on big group and big life cases. You know, $100,000 life cases back in the early 90s was big money. Um, but then I moved to a PNC agency in the late 90s, and I was a PNC producer while still writing group benefits. So I was there for a lot of years building up a PNC book, building up a health book. Um, and, and that was supposed to be a succession plan to purchase that agency, but, but that didn't happen. And in mid-2014, a local agency owner, longtime agency, been around for 75 years, approached me about um, wanting to sell his agency, and he wanted someone local. And I'm, I'm in the town that I grew up in. I've been here almost 50 years, actually more than 50 years. Um, and he approached me about buying his book of business, which had been around many years and had a lot of the, you know, had that really community feel, that hometown feel. And we talked for a handful of months before um, we struck a deal. And then it took another six months or so to close that deal. But that business, that book of business was... Um, mostly personal lines, probably about 80% personal lines. They had never really done anything with commercial lines. And they definitely didn't do anything with life and health and, and those kind of products. So um, so we purchased that and and I got a loan. That took a little while. Well, excuse me, I didn't get a loan. He kept the, he kept the note. He held the note, which helped me a lot because uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to get a loan. I didn't have to put a lot of money down. I think on a purchase price, uh, of a little under a million, I think I put 25,000 down. I mean, so almost nothing. He held the majority of the note, but of course he was going to spin a lot of interest off that and that's why he held it and that's okay. Um, so I acquired the whole agency. I acquired the assets of the agency, which were the book of business. I acquired the employees, which at the time was three and a part-time bookkeeper. And um, I, I, I took, you know, some of the furniture and some of the computers and, and that was, we were up and rolling. And then um, that business was turning in the black within 45 days. So here's a question. Why did you buy the whole agency instead of just the, the assets or the book? Well, I, well, so that, so I purchased the whole, I didn't buy any liability. So it was really asset, but it was a, it was a whole, you know, I, I uh, took over and stayed in that space for a little while. I mean, I, I kept everything status quo. Um, and that was by design because I was a new agency owner. I'd been a, a producer and an employee for many years, but as you know, being a producer and being an agency owner are two very different things. Yep. And Honestly, uh, an old mentor of mine said, get ready because you don't know what you don't know. And he was right. Was that, was that Enrod? <laughs> you know, there, there's, a, there's a guy that used to work with Kyle and I that we both know that says a lot of stuff like that. And I don't even think he even knows what it means when he says it, but he, he's heard somebody else say it. So he regurgitates it. Well, it's just like, it's just like being a parent, right? Uh, um, you know, a friend of mine, right after I had my, what after my wife and I had our first son, a high school friend of mine who was a client said, tell me what it's like where my wife and I are doing. I said, I, I can't, I can't tell you what it's like. Because no, there's no, there's no way to describe it. You can't. 
And honestly, going from being a producer to an agency owner is kind of like that. Because I, I would agree with you 100% on that. You don't really have too much responsibility as a producer most of the time yeah. outside of what you would consider to be, you know, normal responsibility, but you know, at the same time, you know, you you do have to make sure you're doing things the right way. It's it's just different, man, when you're when you're responsible for other people's families and you know you're responsible exactly. for other people's families, that's that's where I would draw the line. Right. The operations piece of the agency isn't really a huge it's a huge issue. It's just the weight that you carry around every single day. Yeah. And, and especially when you're starting up, you know, if you don't start up and you know, like, I, I don't have any debt. I didn't take any debt. I started with cash and, you know, there's a lot of times I probably could have caved and said, you know what, I'm going to go get a line of credit here. Or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that to try and smooth things over. And I haven't, um, you know, I've always just muscled my way through it and dealt with it the, the best way that I could because I didn't want to start digging a hole because once you take that first, once you take that first step now, it it's becomes that much easier. Oh, I'll just go get another line, you know, I'll right. expand my line of credit or I'll dip into it again or whatever else. And so it's got to be cataclysmic for me to get to that point. If I can navigate around it, yeah, it might be a little bit uncomfortable, but don't want to have to deal with with the debt load and paying paying back money while I'm still trying to grow and, and pay money forward. And you know that's that's the biggest thing for me is making sure that I don't let those people or their families down because right. of something that I've done. Right. Well, and, and I did initially have a a line of credit that I only tapped really for the first month just because. I'd laid out some cash as a down payment. Um, yeah, the agency would be revenue producing, but I needed cash to be at the ready to acquire stuff or to, to pay payroll until I had revenue coming in. I mean, the difference between the way I did it and the way you did it is I bought a book of business that uh, we closed on the purchase on April 11. And so, you know, um, May 1, those checks were coming to me. And so yeah, I had and I mean immediately. Yeah. And to clarify, there's a very specific reason I don't want debt because I won't manage it well. You know, I, I did some stupid stuff early in my life when I was in college and shortly thereafter, and I swore I would never do it again, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to make light of it, but it's really no different than being an addict to other things. If you're an alcoholic, you don't go to a bar. <laughs> like, I mean, don't, <laughs> right. you know, don't, don't do that. You know, don't hang out with people that are constantly drinking because that's what you're going to end up doing. And Absolutely. so for me, it's just, I've, I've just held fast to that rule. I don't want to be in a position where I go down that road right. and that's as much my problem as anything else, but doesn't hurt my valuation any. Right. Right. So, so this agency I purchased again, uh, um, you know, we have the owner, the old owner holding the note we were revenue producing right away. And I got rid of the, um, the line of credit almost immediately. I said 45 days. It might have been 60 days, but it was not long that we paid that thing down and closed it out and never renewed it. Um, but now I'm responsible for the employees and their well-being and keeping them busy. And you know, you're, you're doing that, but you're also looking at the operations. What's the database? Are they using the database? They weren't using the database. 
they weren't scanning documents anymore. They were just, you know, and in particular one employee was letting the documents pile up in a box. So there was zero accountability. I'm, fam I'm familiar with that box, by the way. It's, here it was a here it was a desk drawer. Yeah. Well, that was that too. And then the desk drawer got full. Then it went in a box. I mean, hmm. it's unbelievable. So, um, so I had to, and this is the lesson, folks. I had to digitize the whole agency. I had to retrain them on using the database and how to use the database and what, what to do with the database because, you know, the, the download, the, the, uh, the policy download from the carriers is great, but what about the policies that aren't downloaded? You have to key that in. Well, that wasn't happening. Um, we weren't getting emails and we still don't have, we only have about 60% emails for customers still. We've been working at it super hard. We're only at 60%. So, um, and that's a current figure as of just the other day. So, um, but that's one of, when, when you buy an agency, you're buying things that have been done wrong. And so we didn't take any of the liabilities. They took a tail on their E&O. Uh, we have no responsibility for policies written wrong, but once we touch them on renewal, now it's ours. So we're scouring every single renewal for that original book of business while digitizing it, while getting the database ready. It was a very, very busy, really two years before we got, you know, where it felt a lot more comfortable and it really felt like mine. Well, obviously you're growing organically, but I mean, I'm interested when you bought the agency, how much of that book grew from rounding existing clients? Oh, oh, I didn't run a percentage on that. Uh, I could tell you, the, I could tell you much better the recent book we, we talked about, but because the, the original book, um, we took some losses on that original purchase just because there were some loyalties and one of the employees that we acquired left us. And so some of that, some of the business left. So, you know, um, we were in, we were, we've grew, but we didn't grow very much in that first two years because we took a heavy loss the first year, but then we grew it back, um, back to, you know, a, a couple five, 10% growth, uh, by the end of the second year. And since then, we've grown, oh, I don't know, 60%. So it's, um, it's grown pretty well. The, the, the more recent acquisition um, has just been amazing. You know, that was just a pure book. We took no people. We took no data, computer. I mean, we took no computers, um, but we had to digitize that whole one as well. And now we're in the process. We're about... We closed on uh, October 1, so now we're seven months in, and um, where our commissions are ahead of where they should have been. We've lost almost no business. Um, in fact, we've grown business because we are rounding it. We're rounding benefits. We're rounding all the personal lines accounts. You're talking homes that had 100,000 liability. We're rounding every single one of them up. We're adding the service line endorsements. So we're going through every policy and changing them and moving them around and rounding out the home and auto. And it's just been magical. What did, what did you learn for obviously it's a different situation in the two acquisitions, but what did you learn from the first one that allowed you to make this one a little bit smoother or, um, uh, I, I guess have more success when rounding things out and, and, and growing the book. That That's such a good question. The first thing, um, was, in, in valuing the purchase, the, you know, the, the, the multiple on the first book, 
I kind of had to pay close to what they were asking because I had no, I had no status. I had, you know, I was the little guy. Mm. On the second purchase, uh, we acquired that book of business we acquired was only about 25% of the size of us. So, so I was the bigger of the two entities and, and I was much more confident, much more knowledgeable. And I could, you know, I knew all the data to look at and, and acquire, or, you know, the data to, to, to get and go back four years and go in and look at the accounts, pull some representative accounts and see what they look like. Um, find out about longevity and, and, and those types of questions. And I, I had a much lower valuation on the acquisition. In fact, um, I probably could have got it for a little bit less than I said, because I came in with what I thought was a low number and they said yes immediately. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that old thing of, man, I could have, maybe I could have gotten more and I didn't get a, an extreme low anchor number is, is what I didn't do. So, um, but I did get a much better valuation and, and it was that confidence to, to know what I was buying and know how to price it. And then it was, you know, right at, right away, every renewal calling, not letters, not emails, every renewal calling, introducing ourselves, talking to the people and, and, you know, right. Just coming to them and saying, Hey, Kyle, you only have a hundred thousand liability on your home. We can bump that up to three hundred thousand. It's going to be you know twenty eight bucks or whatever the number is, and we we have almost one hundred percent success doing that mm-hmm. on every account. It's just been incredible. So, um, you know, the first purchase we didn't contact people. I kind of just let it roll. Um, not that you're trying to trick people that there was an agency purchase, but we didn't want to rock the boat because because right. just just because I was a new agency owner, I had to get a little get my feet under me with the second purchase. We went right at it um, and just started really leaning on the customers and, and talking to the customers and rounding them up. And, and just this morning, uh, you know, rounding another um, homeowner for, for a, a monoline auto. And that's been great. And some of that though has to do with the investments you've made in technology too, right? So I know you just recently brought Hawksoft in. I know that you're using better agency now. Yep. I know that you're using Zywave stuff. So yep. what what does the how how's better agency helping you manage that process? Because oh. the the feedback that I've gotten so far has been very good. Yeah, yeah. And I want to correct one thing. We don't have uh, um, Hawksoft yet. That's coming, but that was just at the start of the coronavirus thing. So I gotcha. so I didn't want to go through that transition. Just like I didn't want to transition my phone during this because that'd be crazy. But better agency, I had actually purchased and hadn't used it yet. And uh, I took the downtime of the coronavirus to really ramp up, learn it, get some data in, turn on the cross-sell campaigns, and bam, first day, two opportunities that we wrote. First day, you know? Um, and and the, as I'm, you know, I turned this thing on without even telling my staff other than, hey, you're going to get some calls. And I just tested like 10 home rounding and 10 auto rounding. And I just said, expect calls, and here's what we're doing. And... You know, once it started rolling, now I had to quickly do videos and train them on how to move stuff around in better agency. So I'm trying to scramble to learn this program myself and then do a quote video or a video really to um, send out to my staff to say, here's how to move people through the pipeline. And they love it. They just love it. And these are people that every time I do something new, they hate it. <laughs> but then they love it. You know what I mean? And, and the better, yeah, it, 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 the better agency program has just been 
terrific. And we only use, honestly, at this point, I'm only using 15% maybe. Yeah, that's the same thing I say about HubSpot. I mean, I've spent over $100,000 on HubSpot and the programming for it over the course of the last 18 months. And I bet you we're not even using 20, 15, 20% of what its capabilities are. Yeah. And it's not because we're not using it. It's because it's just capable of so much. You know what I mean? I mean, we're using it really well for the stuff that it does right now. And we're continuing to add things and build more things out. But that takes time, man. You know, unless I'm going to bring five developers in and pay them each, you know, a nice chunk of change to have instant HubSpot build out, you have to scale that stuff. And you know, I'm actually really kind of pushing the envelope on what I'm investing it in now because the return is not going to be immediate. Right. I think that's where our peer group misses the boat, man. A lot of the time, I don't think they understand. We live in such an instant society where everybody wants everything now, now, mm -hmm. now, now. And they think that you're going to put something like better agency or better agency actually seems to have gotten immediate results for most of the people that I've talked to. But it's, it's designed to grab the low hanging fruit. Yeah, you know? but I mean, you put something like HubSpot in where you're going to put in full-blown 12-month solicitation calendar and all of those things, you're not going to do that right away. Some of that right. stuff, and especially with our target market too, right? So when I start getting to the point where I'm going to build out personal lines, automations, and cross-sells and things like that, the volume of things that we do is going to get much, you know, we'll, we'll see stuff like that happen. When you're hitting middle market commercial, if I get one deal closed a quarter out of something that HubSpot's done, it's paid for HubSpot for the year. Right. Right. You know, and we're hitting more than one a quarter. Where, where this, um, where the better agency is working is it's going to, as we get that up and rolling, then I can turn my attention to something else. I don't want to play around with that. I want the staff to do that stuff. You know, yeah. I don't do personal lines. I've always, I've done commercial, my and commercial and group health, my whole career, basically. And I don't use the, I talked about the rating program before. I don't use it. You know, I don't, I, believe me, it would take me all day to probably get something rated if I went out to one of the carrier sites, because I don't do it. But if I can automate the process and, and set these campaigns going, then I don't have to have my people to remember to do it which is the whole point. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I mean, even then, I don't know how that's set up but with us, just the automatic task reminders and tickets that are created for that and then get assigned to people help to make sure a lot of stuff doesn't slip through the cracks. You know, it's, I'm really looking forward to when we come out of COVID just to see how some of our human, human capital is realigned because I've used the downtime to run a couple of people through total CSR that hadn't been through it before. And they have not had jobs internally where they would be doing as much insurance handling. Right. And now they're going to be able to do that. So if here, because my biggest problem, and, and I'm sure you figured this out just with how you watch the way I do anything is when I when I do something, I'm a hundred miles an hour to do it and get it up and running and do it as fast as I can. And then I can sit back. It's just like, you know, with what I did with Killing Commercial or writing writing the book or any of that. When I decide that I'm going to put my effort behind personal lines, we better be ready to drink from right. a fire hose because it's going to happen. And I won't stop until it does. And I've not had that comfort level yet. I've right. not had the comfort level that we had the processes in place 
to handle the quotes, use the video quotes, get them out. And I mean, now we've got a bunch of those automations in place and we don't have a huge personal lines renewal book because we didn't really officially launch it until July of last year. So and not even a year in. Right. And that's the whole thing. So now going into next year, we'll have we'll have a handful of renewals every month. But now's the time. Now's the time I'm going to put the pedal to metal on that side and make it happen because I don't want to have to do it once we're, we have more renewals to deal with. Now we have enough where it's manageable. So that's where my focus is going to go. We've got the commercial piece dialed in. The only other thing we're going to work on is building out the small business unit. And we're going to, you know, I'm very much looking forward to Tarmica adding uh, some of the carriers that we have. They need to give me just a couple more carriers. And then I'm all in with that. Right. Yeah, I haven't even looked at that. that there's no doubt in my mind. So basically, the first thing I'm going to start with them doing, and knock on wood, maybe it'll be live by the time this airs, since we're recording so many in advance, um, but is a quote bind issue work comp uh, work comp uh, portal. Oof. And I can create I can create, uh, you know, landing pages and search and display ads and evergreen content around that and drive traffic to that that portal. And it does everything. And they're not far behind in doing something similar with small bops, you know, with with bops and everything. Yep. Hey, here's a fun fact. I don't hate bops if they're making money for me without me lifting my finger. Right. You know, it goes back to what we do with Florida wedding insurance. You know, it, it's passive income at that point. I don't care if it's five bucks a day. If I'm not having to work for it, it's five bucks a day I wouldn't have otherwise. Right, right. I mean, we're trying to move away from some of the small commercials, not because it's not profitable, but because the way we do it right now is, is too much touching. It's, it's, it's too much time and effort for the return. On a $700 bop, we get 15, maybe 20%. But if that person is gobbling up hours of time with questions and certificate requests, I, I, I'm losing money on that account. Right. So, yeah, that's why, that's why I like I like this for the smaller workers comp, and you never know you might catch a whale while you're fishing. Sure, you absolutely. Know? And we can handle both at that point. But I, I really like the fact that it's you know pre-approved class codes quote bind issue. Hey, guess what? If it's not a pre-approved class code, kick it into the into HubSpot, and we go out and market it to somebody that that will write it. That's not you know working through that portal at this time. And so. if it's not pre-approved class code, that's probably means that it's a higher cost code anyway. So it's going to be a bigger case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And something that we need to get our arms around because, you know, it, it, like I don't want to, I don't want a plumber HVC, HVAC or electrician going through a self-service portal. To Definitely get their not. Quote. I want to talk to those guys about why I need to have all their other lines of coverage. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. But you still develop that ability because you, when they, even if they buy the comp, now you still have them in the CRM and you can do all your remarketing and everything else. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, yeah, like it. So yeah. we, we see Better Agency being a part of of our personal lines um, for a while. You know, the commercial line side, we'll see how they develop that. Um, it's definitely not as robust yet for commercial, but I know it's being worked on. Yeah, it is. Um, I'll be anxious to see what they do on the commercial side. It should be pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I know, I, obviously, I know the guys that are building it. So, you know, I think that I think they're capable. We need to keep them focused on that, though. <laughs> look, squirrel, 
Yeah. And then you, know, you never, you never know. Right. So <laughs> I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that, which is why I'm such good friends with them. And I speak the same language, but I think we're all guilty of that because it's, you know, it's the new toy. It's a new shiny object and Ooh, Ooh, look automation and, or, or, or anything. And, uh, that's part of my problem. I just need to buckle down on one area. So what, you know, obviously you're doing better agency now. I'm going to assume Hawksoft's the next thing you're going to move into and do yeah. management switch. Yeah, I just, I can't do that now in the middle of this, uh, uh, all my people out of the office. I just don't feel comfortable with them trying to work on, uh, on our existing database and then Hawksoft loading up uh, a shadow database where they have to, stop what they're doing in the middle of the day. So now I don't really have anyone answering the phone and they have to train on Hawks off. So I just decided it'll be a lot easier when we finally get everybody back in the office and that we can immediately start the Hawks off transition. It's, it's done. It's just not done. The decision. So, so for somebody who's never been through that process before you're, you haven't started it yet. What, what the heck does that look like, man? How do you get, <laughs> I'm completely ignorant to how you get all of the data out of what system you have now and then get it into the new oh, one. You know, we've actually, we've actually done that um, because uh, when we acquired this agency in October, they used AMS. So we got a data backup from AMS, uh, expensive, really expensive. <laughs> and they loaded it, they, you know, we sent it up to... Um, to my database company, you know, they, they created a really a portal where my database company went in and just pulled down a giant CSV file. <laughs> I don't know. And it takes like days, you know, a day or two or three, depending on the size of the data. This was kind of a small book. So it was, you know, a day. And then they, they line up, they create a mapping and they line up all the data and they just dump it in. And then all of a sudden one day we turn on our database here and, wham, there's all this new data, some of it good, some of it bad. That's why I was going to ask, how much of that stuff did you have to clean oh, up? Gosh, I'm still cleaning. I just That's got to be the worst part. You, you know, so in the database, um, you can do certificates where you retain the holders. So if you put in, say, Bank of New York, they're in there. You don't need to rekey them in every time. Mm -hmm. No, no. This agency we purchased rekeyed everybody every year that's awesome um yeah so we had you know certificate holders a thousand sixteen hundred i think in our system um their system loaded fifteen thousand certificate holder contacts but it's like 20 of this and 30 of that one it's just uh, still it's just more stuff you gotta sift through it's crazy right. well and and they, they use slightly different coding so i went to my database company and said all the ones that are coded as cert holder not certificate holder delete them out you know so that's that's a real key thing when you're moving data and we're, we're trying to do this even ahead of the hawks off move is clean your data because if the data is not clean like when we move from where we are to hawks off it's not going to miraculously clean up just like when you buy an agency, if you buy garbage data, you're going to have garbage data until you clean it. And, and that's just the way it works. So I hope I never have to move agency management systems. Uh, I, I hate agency. I hate agency management systems to begin with. Yeah. yeah. But I, you so know, it, 
yeah, well, every, everything's been super smooth with us. What do you mean? <laughs> well, well, listen, if you if you have clean data, if you start from scratch as you did and you pick one system and use it and use it well, and maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But if you use it well and and you enter data one way, you have a process that people follow, then your data is going to be a lot cleaner. But with the agency I purchased five years ago, there was three different ways to do things. And one person didn't even follow any of those ways. Well, I can tell you that's exactly what we're fighting and or what we have fought. And I won, you know, I won the fight. But at this point, we're cleaning it up, right? Because we had different people handling things different ways. You know, when you write a new policy, do you do a cancel rewrite? Do you do a renewal? What happens if you do that ahead of time? And now all of a sudden the old policy is out of the system and you can't issue certificates on the old one anymore. I mean, just all kinds of crazy stuff, but it all boiled down to the fact, and it goes to what I say I liked about Target so much, is common practices and workflows. I'm I'm really, really good at putting together processes if it uh, involves sales and marketing. I'm really good at that. If you want me to put together your operational workflows, you might as well go to the zoo and get a chimpanzee to come in and do it for you because... I'm just, that's not how I think. And right. so that's one of the benefits that we have with the lady that's essentially the commercial lines manager at this point. She's got 20 years of experience and that's what she's doing. And I don't want her job at all. Like I would never want to do what she's doing. And, you know, truthfully, it's really annoying to me because I get asked 300 questions every day, but it's not her. You know, and I, t I finally, I, I had to tell her last week, I'm like, look, I realize you probably think I'm irritated or angry with you or whatever else. I promise you it couldn't be further from the truth. I know what you're dealing with and I know that I need handlers and you're my handler and I promise I'm trainable. You'll get things the way that you like it when you get it set up and everything. But understand when you come to me and say, well, do you want me to do it this way in the system? Do you No. I don't care. I want you to do it the way that you think it needs to be done because you've been doing this longer than I have and I've never done your job before. And then I want you to make sure that everybody else that is going to have access to that system does it the same way that you do. I That's agree. all I care about. Yep. I don't I don't need to get caught up in the minutia because if you want if you're going to rely on me to tell you the best way to handle all of that stuff with Hawksoft, you're in really big trouble. I, get, I mean, I know my limitations. Yeah, I, I empower my people. They come to me with questions on procedure and process. And I'm like, well, how do you want to do it? Or how have you done it? I don't do these things. I've not been a CSR. I've not been, you know, handling home and auto renewals. I'm kind of rely on what they found seems, you know, what, what they've found works. And we'll build a process around that, not around what I think, because I could be totally wrong. Yeah, I mean, if you if you come to me and you say, look, this isn't working right, look at what we're doing and tell me if you see anything, you're truly going to get an outsider's perspective. Like, I'll look at your process and say, well, it would make more sense if we did something over here, wouldn't it? Well, no, it wouldn't because, okay, well, great. Now I learned that that's not a good idea, right. you know, but, or sometimes you might find that one thing. But I, I think that when you get in and you start trying to wiggle your way around and all of that, um, I just don't want to be in the middle of it. I think it creates too much of a, a roadblock to the people that are going to be using it every day. It doesn't need to work for me. It needs to work for them. Right. Exactly. That's that's the mm. path we take. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, we're running up on an hour. I appreciate you being on. Like we could go for another hour 
easily. Sure. I, I want to have you come back after you get the Hawksoft thing done, after the commercial thing for Better Agency's been live for a little bit. And by then, you've probably made like two or three more book acquisitions, I would think. So <laughs> it'll hey, be we're, interesting. we're always looking. I'd, I'd love to tell you that we have something else in the works. We are always looking. You know, I think as you do that, you get better at it. And I know there's guys that have bought dozens of books. Um, you know, I'd like to add another one or two. It's a great, it's a great way to grow, especially when it pays for itself. I mean, there's very few investments that you're going to go out and get. You know, and we talked about this offline yesterday. Even if you go out and get the financing for it, you know, your revenue is more than covering your note payment, so you're paying extra on the principal and, and paying it off quickly. And, and I look at it like, okay, if I have to go hard on this book for three to five years to get it paid off or whatever that number is, oh, wow. now it's gravy because now I'm not paying anything on it and all that money is going to come into my agency and I can go instead of taking that working capital that I've got inside the, the agency now, I can just go get another note, do the same thing, and the agency is actually able to use the revenue from the book to do what it needs to do to get better. I, it's exciting stuff, man. Yeah. I'm excited for the day Kyle and I can start doing some of that right now. We're still trying to figure out, you know, how to enter stuff into Hawksoft the right way. And <laughs> just one, one quick thing. I see everybody talk about lead costs and they're getting leads at $20 or $25 or $30. Who cares? It, all you need to do is pay less than the revenue, you know? So if I get 10 leads at $20 a piece, that's 200 bucks. But if one of those 10, I write a case that pays me a thousand bucks, I'm ahead of the game. Well, the other thing too, is I like to ask people when they start talking about that, how many did you close? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, right. because you may, you may pay 20 bucks a lead and you're closing one out of 10. Somebody else might be paying 30 and they're closing four out of 10. Right. right. It depends on, it totally depends on quality. Yep. Absolutely. You know, I mean, look at it with the, with the book acquisitions, it's quick revenue sort of, but what am I paying? I'm paying two X, one and a half X, whatever commission to buy a book of business. So a book of business that's spending a hundred thousand in revenue, you're spending 150, 180, 200 on, right? So that's double the commission just to acquire each and every case in the book. So when, when I hear about these, these lead costs and people are worried about a $50 or $75 lead cost, who cares? Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, are you, are you driving enough revenue against what you're spending? If you spend 20,000 in marketing, but you have 22,000 of revenue against it, are you ahead you're of it? Yeah. You're profitable at that point. Yeah. And then you get renewals on, on that. And that that's where the real magic happens is the renewals. Yeah. Cause you're only paying the, you're only paying that acquisition cost one time. Right. That's it. Whether you're buying a book, whether you're buying the lead, it doesn't matter. It all works the same. Right. I, I valued my recent acquisition. I valued it at, um, losing 15% per year for five years and I would still double my money. There you go. And, you and go. we've not, we've lost maybe 3%. So you can do the math. It's, That's awesome, man. You just have to value it. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to value it. Right. If you don't know how to do that, Greg Hogan's the expert, Greg, thanks so much for being on today, man. We appreciate it. We'll definitely have you back because I know that I'm going to be, very much involved in watching your agency grow organically, but I'm certainly intrigued by the stuff that you've learned. And like everybody else, I like to learn from people who've already been there before, before I have to do it myself. So really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Kyle. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. 
You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.